Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast and being a part of our church family. Here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. not a series of disconnected stories. It is a single narrative in which every story, every character points beyond itself to one who is greater. The story of Adam and Eve is not just about the first man and woman. There is a true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and whose obedience is ascribed to us. There is a true and better Abel who, though innocently slain, has blood that cries out not for our condemnation, but for our acquittal. There is a true and better Abraham who answered the call of God to leave all the comfortable and familiar and go out into the void to create a new people of God. There is a true and better Isaac, the son of laughter, of grace, who was not just offered up by his father on the mount, but was truly sacrificed for us all. There is a true and better Jacob, who wrestled and took the blow of justice we deserve, so we, like Jacob, only receive the wounds of grace that wake us up and discipline us. There is a true and better Joseph, who at the right hand of the king forgives those who betrayed and sold him and uses his new power to save them. There is a true and better Moses who stands in the gap between the people and the Lord and who mediates a new covenant. There is a true and better rock of Moses who struck with the rod of God's justice now gives us water in the desert. There is a true and better Job, the truly innocent sufferer, who then intercedes for and saves his foolish friends. There is a true and better David, whose victory becomes his people's victory, though they never lifted a stone to accomplish it themselves. There is a true and better Esther, who didn't just risk losing an earthly palace, but lost the ultimate heavenly one, who didn't just risk his life, but gave his life to save his people. There is a true and better Jonah, who was cast out into the storm so that we could be brought in. There is a true and better Passover lamb, innocent, perfect, helpless, slain so the angel of death will pass over us. He's the true temple, the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, the true sacrifice, the true lamb, the true light, and the true bread. The Bible is not a series of disconnected stories. It is a single narrative that points to one person, Jesus. How we doing? Happy Easter. I'm so glad you are here. If you are a guest, and I do see a lot of guests, uh, my name is Benji, and uh, I serve as one of the pastors here, and I'm just really, really glad you're here today. And you came out in the pouring down rain, which tells me a lot about you. We are thrilled to have you here today. If you're a guest, we're one church in many locations, which means we have 10 campuses. And so on the count of three, I want you to welcome all of the campuses, and they will welcome you. One, two, three. Come on, welcome. Welcome all the campuses. I'm talking about campuses 
in Kenya, Thika Town, Kenya, talking about a campus tonight that will be at the North Carolina Correctional Institute, Daughters of the King. Yes, we have a campus in a prison. I'm talking about Garner, Sanford, Hillsboro, Columbia, North Raleigh, Coffee House. I did want to let you know, man, Coffee House is going on upstairs. And I usually say something like this, they're rocking upstairs. But we have made a fundamental decision to make sure the Coffee House is really kind of an acoustic vibe, kind of a chill kind of service. Because if you're in here and like you don't like the big crowd and you don't like the music thumping, where you can hear it and feel it in your chest. Just want to let you know, Coffee House is for you. And that's here at the Durham campus. It's upstairs, starts at the same time as our second service. So it's going on right now. Free coffee, great environment. Really know that that will be a place that many of you will love and appreciate. I know if I was worshiping here and I wasn't preaching all the time, I would go up there sometime as well. I love that kind of feel. Everybody say the story. Are you excited? Come on. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're new around here. We are kicking off a new series titled The Story. We're studying a chronological telling of the Bible. We have this book in the Resource Center. I'll say more about it later. We are starting today. We're starting with the resurrection. We start in the beginning in Genesis, but we're starting with the resurrection. Next week, we'll go back. I'll frame the entire series. But I did want to let you know what we have provided for you. Because you know the book has been out there. We have provided in our resource center a three-ring binder. That I'm encouraging all of you to go and get if you're going to study this series with us for eight months. You open up this binder... And there's a note from me, and I'm just talking about the story. Then you turn a page. There's some things that that we're going to do. I'm ready. Now what? So I lay out some points and some plans on how to get the most out of this sermon series. Then there's some helpful tips over here. You turn the page, and there is a table of contents that will let you know what we are talking about every single Sunday through the end of November. Now, here's a very, very important point, because I've been getting this question a lot. Read the chapter prior to coming to church on Sunday. There are two ways to do the story. One is I preach it, then you read it. The other is you read it, then I preach it. We're doing the latter. You want to read the chapter first. I want to teach you how to become self-feeders. I want to teach you how to read the Word of God on your own. Then you come in here and I will unpack the passages that the Spirit of God leads me from that, that which you have read. So there's the table of contents. Then there's, there's a whole section for your story. This can be your journal for eight months. You write down the beginnings. You write down obstacles that you are facing. You write down reflections and hope. You know, the Bible tells us that God is a God of hope. Amen? Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. So you write down what you're hoping for in this series. And then there's about 10 pages of blank pages for you to take notes. Now, this is where it really gets cool. You received a teaching note uh, sheet when you walked in. May May I have that, young man? This will be handed to you every single Sunday. Already punched with three holes in it. Let the church say amen. Come on and give it up. for. And I don't take any credit for it. It's the administrative team. I was like, man, that would be whole nother level. They said, consider it done. 
So you, you come in here every single Sunday. You bring the storybook back there. You bring your binder. Then you open your binder. You put your teaching notes in. And you take notes. And imagine this. At the end of November, you will have a three-ring binder full of biblical teaching and your journey through the Bible. This is a bucket list kind of thing. This is stuff that people only dream about doing. And you'll have a resource that will be yours forever. Very excited. Would you give it up for my man right here? My volunteer man. Who's excited about the story? It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Well, we're going to start with the greatest story ever told. Will you pray with me? Father, would you... Minister to us today, God, even now as people are still trying to get into the building and uh, stuck in traffic and rain, Father, would you give us a place of refuge here today? Father, we are on sacred ground and we're studying the most sacred, powerful story, love story ever written for humanity. We are here, God, would you take our minds And think through them. Would you take our hearts and fill with them? Lord Jesus, would you take my lips and speak through them today? For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. And the people of God said together, Amen. Amen. Well, check it out. There's this dude, and uh, he's been married. He's been married for about 30 years, and um, you know, you know, life life's hard, man. You start getting a little older and stuff. And he's been married. They, they got 30 years under their belt, but all of a sudden, he starts realizing, and she starts realizing that she's starting to get kind of agitated. She's starting to get grumpy. She's um, she's not feeling good physically. She's down. She's just irritable, and they don't know what is up. She gets melancholy, and it's it's just not good. And some of you can relate. So finally, after dealing with this for about a year, they decide it's time for her to go to the doctor. They take her to the doctor, and the doctor runs tests all day long. I mean, he runs her through the gamut, from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. He tests her physically. He tests her uh, physiologically. He tests her psychologically. They run her through the test all day long. Six o'clock rolls around, and the doctor calls the couple into his office. And he says, I don't know what to make of this. I think this is good news. We were trying to find what is going on with you. But every single test comes back and says that you are okay. There's not a problem. Physically, you're fine. Psychologically, you're fine. Everything is fine. So the husband is sitting there and he's kind of a little discouraged. I mean, it's good news, but he's like, doctor, I I don't know what to do then. I mean, what am I to do? And she's just kind of sitting there, you know, melancholy. And the doctor says, after a long pause... He says, well, this is what you do. And he gets up from around his desk and he walks around and he gently grabs her by the shoulders and he lifts her up to stand up. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, he lays the most romantic, longest, wettest kiss on his wife. Just lays it on her, man. And when he gets done, all of a sudden, her countenance changes. She's she's joyful and she's, she's got a smile on her face. And the doctor says, I'll tell you what she needs, man. She needs that twice a week. And the dude goes, hi, Dan. I can drop her off on Tuesday and Thursday. 
<laughs> so, so you see, there are some things you want to do in life, and there's some things you don't want to do. Now listen, guys, that is not one of the things you don't want to do. You don't give that to the doctor. Can I get an amen from the ladies? Don't you know that when Jesus faced Friday, in his human spirit, he didn't want to go through with it. If you were here on Good Friday, you know that we went to the cross. Right, right here on Friday, I had a palm branch. And I talked about when Jesus came to the Mount of Olives, it was downhill from there. He went into Jerusalem. Before long, I grabbed 30 silver coins and Judas betrayed Jesus, sold him out for 30 coins. Then I had a crown here and I talked about the way in which they put a crown on Jesus' head and they draped him in a purple robe and they flogged him. They beat him 39 times with a cat of nine tails. He was unrecognizable. They beat him and beat him and beat him. And maybe you recall, I ended like this on Friday night. I said, there was this cup that Jesus kept referring to. What was up with the cup? Jesus prayed in the garden, Father, if you can take this cup from me, please do so. And what I talked about on Friday night and just ever so quickly today, the cup was the divine wrath, the fury of God that had to be placed on Jesus so that you could be free from your sins. The blood of Christ that was shed, blood that traced all the way back into the Old Testament, the Bible says there is life in the blood. And without Jesus taking that cup, the fury of God, the wrath of God, because God is holy and I am not. And those two cannot mix. And the Father had to turn away from Jesus as he hung on the cross. And he died. And he ended with these words, it is finished. Amen. What, what was finished? Here's what was finished. He went through the divine assignment that was given to him so that he would shed his blood for you and he would die on a cross. But that was Friday. And I told you that it might be Friday, but Sunday is coming. And Friday means death and pain and heartache and sorrow. And some of you might be there today. But I want to let you know that Sunday has come. And Sunday is a day of resurrection. And God the Father, am I talking to anybody out there today? God the Father breathed into Jesus the breath of life. And he became alive. And because he lives, the Bible says we too shall live. I want to talk to you today about a few things the resurrection does for us. It, it won't be long today. I, I just want you to take some notes. Grab your teaching notes. And let's talk about three things that the resurrection does for us. If you're ready for the word of God, say amen. amen. Result number one. The resurrection validates and vindicates Jesus. Why don't you say that with me? The resurrection validates and vindicates Jesus. Roger Storms put it like this. The resurrection of Jesus is his autograph of authenticity. It's his autograph of authenticity. Now here's what I know about teaching on Easter Sunday, especially at the mid-morning hour. We have more guests than ever before. Some of you are just checking this thing out. At all Easter services, though, this remains the case. I'm speaking to two different groups of people. I'm speaking to the convinced, 
Those who are here, you love Jesus, you have faith, and you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're born again, you're saved, you know, you believe. But on a Sunday like this, we have people in here who they are not sure what they believe. I want to say something very, very clearly to those of you who are in that camp. Welcome. We are so, so glad you are here. We have always been a church that exists for believers and for those who are seeking. Those who might even be skeptical. Come on, New Hope. How do we feel about them? Welcome. We're so, we're so glad you're here. But some of you are here today and you're just a little skeptical. You're, you're not sure you believe. You're not even sure Jesus was actually fully dead. You've been taught things. You've heard things. You're just a skeptic by nature. And you're, you're just not even sure. Reminds me of a story about a woman in a church who actually had a pastor. By the way, not all pastors believe this. Do you know this? Not all pastors. We, there are churches in America now where some, some people don't even, don't even preach the resurrection of Jesus. And there was a woman who wrote Pastor Vernon McGee. Because Vernon McGee is a well-known scholar, preacher, and she writes him. And she says to Vernon McGee, listen to this, she says, Mr. McGee, our preacher said that Easter, on Easter, Jesus just swooned on the cross. Our preacher said that Jesus didn't really die and that the disciples helped him get back to a healthy state. What do you think about that, Pastor McGee? Pastor McGee, solid in his faith and biblical interpretation, he said this, Dear sister, beat your preacher. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Beat your preacher with a heavy whip. 39 times. That was the cat of nine tails. They beat him 39 times. Beat him with a heavy whip 39 times. Nail him to a cross. Hang him in the sun for six hours. Run a spear through his heart. Place him in an airless tomb for three days and tell me what happens. <laughs> he was dead, flatline dead. We talked to you about a few ways in which I believe the resurrection validates and vindicates Jesus. Here's the first one. I believe changed lives validate and vindicate the resurrection of Jesus. Come on, I want to hear an amen from every person here. No, no, no from every, you're all, y'all, I didn't even say it yet, but thank you anyway. I want, I, want, I want to hear an amen from every person who's had your life changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. See, I, I, believe, I believe most people are convinced of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not by something some preacher says or some scholar in seminary or anything like that. I believe most people are convinced about the gospel of, the Jesus, of Jesus Christ because they've given it a try and God's changed their lives. They have felt the power of being forgiven. They have felt the power of receiving hope in Christ. They have felt the power of having a purpose. They have felt the power of receiving joy and contentment in this world. Changed lives. How about prophecy? I believe prophecy. The more I study the word and the more I walk with Christ, the more I come to believe that prophecy is one of the most powerful things that we could ever study. I don't know if you know what I mean by that, but if you're new to the Bible, in the Old Testament, it is chock full of men and women who made prophetic declarations of Jesus Christ, what he would do, how he would do it, etc., 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 and they came true. 
And some of you are like, and again, the skeptics, and and I'm so glad you're here, but I just want to talk to you today. Some of you are like, yeah, I thought about that whole prophetic thing, but, you know, they they wrote the Bible later. Maybe maybe they just put that stuff in. Maybe it's easy to be prophetic if you're writing after the fact. Maybe the eyewitnesses of this whole deal put those prophetic utterances in the Bible. To which I would say to you, that's actually a really good thing to consider which is why i love when history and science starts to validate that which the bible says in 1947 a little boy was walking in and around the dead sea area there was a place in that area called the qumran community q-u-m-r-a-n Qumran community. It's a desert area. There's no vegetation. It's dry. Again, the year is 1947. You can go study it for yourself. 1947, a boy is walking in and around these caves and this area in and around Qumran. And he's doing what little boys do. He's throwing stones and kicking stones and walking along. And all of a sudden, he comes by a cave And the little boy picks up a stone and he throws it into the cave. And something just sounded a little different about what happened to the stone. It it sounded like it hit some pottery or something. Enough to make the little boy, again, do what boys do. And he wanted to explore. He went into the cave. Let me show you a picture of Qumran. Some of you have been there with me, in fact. That's up from a distance, but if you start to zoom in on the side of the mountain where the cave was, you'll see a cave. The little boy went up top, made his way down, crawled into there, 1947, dug around and found an ancient library that has been tested and carbon dated over and over and over, dating back to 300 to 450 years before Jesus Christ. There's the ancient manuscript, three to 450 years before Jesus Christ. And in the Qumran scrolls, we read things like he would be born of a virgin. He would be born in Bethlehem. He would be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. I mean, that kind of precision. He would be silent at his trial, the ancient text says. The ancient text said that he would be executed among thieves. Again, just validating other prophecies in the Old Testament. The prophetic writing said that his enemies would cast lots for his clothing. The prophecy proclaimed that the tomb that he would be laid in would be a brand new tomb never used before. And the prophetic text says that he would rise from the dead. Amen. It is true and it is the greatest love story ever to be told. Lee Strobel, if you want to study some more of this kind of apocalyptic bend toward the resurrection, you want to read books by a man named Lee Strobel. He's the one who wrote a book, The Case for Faith. He wrote a book also titled The Case for Christ. In his book, The Case for Christ... He talks about a Sir Lionel Luco. 
He was a brilliant and savvy attorney. Listen to this, church. Whose astounding 245 consecutive murder acquittals earned him a place in the Guinness Book of World Records. As the world's most successful lawyer, he was knighted twice by King Elizabeth. The former justice and diplomat subjected the historical facts, the Qumran text and everything, and the biblical text about the resurrection to his own rigorous analysis for several years before declaring this. I say unequivocally that the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof, which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He is risen. Yeah, some of you got it. He is risen. You know, I know, I know that's a traditional saying in the church, by the way. Some of you not, didn't grow up in the church like I didn't grow up in the church. I know a woman who, when she heard that, he is risen. The first time pastor stood up and said, he is risen. People were supposed to say, he is risen indeed. Uh, she didn't quite get it. So when he said, he is risen, she said, holla. Can you do that? Can that loosen some of you up a little bit? He is risen. Oh, you did good. You did. That's contemporary. Now let's go traditional. He is risen. And it vindicates and it validates Jesus, the power of the gospel. If you're a note taker, write this down. Here's the second thing. The resurrection defeats death once and for all. Glory, hallelujah. The resurrection defeats death once and for all. I'm a Winston Churchill fan. I'm a big fan of his leadership. I've studied him. I'm also a big fan of his faith. He was an amazing man of God who did amazing things on the stage of world history. You know that. What you might not know is that Winston Churchill had this ongoing polemical dialogue with a woman by the name of Lady Astor. And they would always argue, you know, and, but Churchill was brilliant. Churchill always got the last word, and it drove Lady Astor crazy. They would argue and bicker, and he'd always get the last word. For example, one time Lady Astor said to him, If I was married to you, I would poison your coffee. <laughs> to which Churchill sipped his coffee and said, If I were married to you, I'd drink it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, that's good stuff. Winston Churchill, as we talk about the resurrection defeating death, Winston Churchill planned out his entire funeral. Did you know this? If you know history and you've studied him, you know this. He, he planned out every single detail of the funeral. Planned out who would be the pallbearers, who would do this, who would sing that, who would preach this, who would preach that. And as the funeral service built and built and built for the great late Winston Churchill, Churchill had planned that a bugler would be way up in the far corner of St. Paul's Cathedral. And at just the right time, the bugler would start playing taps. You've heard taps. The universal sign that the day is gone and the night has come lights out 
But as soon as the bugler got finished with taps, Churchill had planned that another bugler would be way over there in the other corner of St. Paul's Cathedral. And he would play Reveille, the universal song and sign for get up. Day has come. Get up. Death has no sting over me. Get up. I am in Christ and I shall live forevermore. Somebody shout amen. 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 here's Here's the third thing I would just say to you. The resurrection restores hope. The resurrection does what, church? It restores hope. Hope. Jesus would say in John's gospel, after he raised Lazarus from the dead, if you remember the text, Jesus would say in John's gospel, John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the what? And the life. He who believes in me, he or she who believes in me, even though they die, they shall what? See, the resurrection defeats death. But thirdly, in defeating death, the resurrection restores hope. The resurrection gives us eternal hope in the midst of a world, if I might say so myself, that is quite hopeless. Have you noticed this? In the midst of a world that is spiraling out of control and hopelessness seems to be everywhere, the resurrection of Jesus restores hope. So the question I would ask you is the very question Jesus asked those in that setting after he raised Lazarus from the dead. You can go look at it. John 11, he says, I'm the resurrection. Anyone who believes in me, even though he dies, shall not die, but shall live forever. And then he asked this question, do you believe this? I want to throw that question at you. Do do you believe in the resurrection? Do you need God to restore some hope in your life? That's what Easter is all about. Easter restores hope. Easter restores hope in the promise that death shall not have the final word. This resurrection validates and vindicates who Jesus is. Do you believe this? It's a question that I really want to hang over this and at all of our campuses for a little bit this morning. As we show you one of the best videos I believe our productions team has ever produced. Bar none. They outdid themselves this time. And it wasn't just staff. It was staffs, it, it, staff members. It was volunteers. They have an actors guild now. I mean, it's unbelievable the, the talent that's in this church. But as you watch this video, I want you to sit in the midst of this. And if you're a believer and you came to celebrate, man, you came to the right place. We, we, we get to praise and worship God and celebrate that which we know and feel great about the future and the hope of the gospel. And we're just going to blow it up at the end of this service. But if you're here and you're not sure, like maybe you're just a little jaded. If you read John 20 and 21, by the way, Mary goes to the tomb. Jesus is missing. You remember what she says? They've taken my Lord. And I don't know where they've put him. 
you know, I don't know your story. But maybe you're here today and you feel like that. Something, someone, maybe church. Maybe you're burnt on church. And you're like, they've just kind of taken my Lord. And I don't know where they've put him. And Number one, I would say to you, I apologize. On behalf of the church. If you've been burnt, hurt, let down. I apologize. Should have never been that way. Or maybe you're just here and you're jaded. And you're skeptical. Again, I'm so glad you're here. But maybe you're aware enough to know that you're also a little hopeless. And you need an infusion of hope. You need, you need a Holy Spirit resurrection power injection that will save your life and give you renewed joys, give you renewed purpose, give you eternal security that you know that when you die, you're going to a place called heaven. Because I hate to break it to you. Everybody here, everybody here, we're going to die. The last I checked, you're not going to believe this. Some of you heard me say this before. The last I've checked, we're hovering still at about 100%. Happy Easter. Hey, some of you, that, that freaks some of you out. Death freaks you out. You're so scared of death. Do you know that you can experience the gospel so powerfully and it be so real and so internalized in the very core of your being? I'm talking about in the water table of your soul, in your bones, that you can stare death in the face and say, you have no place here. I am a child of God saved by the blood of Jesus. And I know that when I die, I'm going to kick death in the teeth and go be with God forever. You can know that. That is simply a byproduct of the good news of Jesus Christ. Notice I didn't say good advice. I'm not here today to give you any advice. I'll do that as I unpack other passages of Scripture. But good advice, you know, we get that all the time. This is not about good advice. Some of you have treated Christianity as if it's good advice. Just be good. Just be better. Just be moral. Just be a good boy. Go to church. Get your perfect Sunday school lapel attendance. You know, get it all. Just be good. This is not about you. I hate to break it to you. Easter is not about you. It's not about me. Easter is about what God has done in Christ Jesus. It's not about what we do. It's about what he's done. And he's defeated death for you. He loves you. He came for you. He died for you. He rose for you. But the Bible says, Romans 10, 9, that we believe, we receive, if you believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, you shall be, what church? Saved. 
again, do you believe this? Make it personal. Do you believe this? And do you need greater hope? And if so, I'm going to give you a chance to receive that. And join the rest of us as we celebrate the greatest love story ever told. But first, check this out. As soon as the brush touches the canvas, his art is born. of movements and moments saturated in color, full of intention and design. But sometimes that design can take unexpected turns. for curves and bends, crisp definition giving way to hazy shapes and forms. The artist continues his work.
despite these strokes of contradiction, like the true artist he is, he finds a way to incorporate the imperfections into his design. Perfect strokes are made with true grace. A true labor of his love, with blood, sweat, and tears tinting it all. All perceived mistakes are forgiven, and just as his work began, it is finished. Just as the artist completed one work, he prepares to breathe life into the next. For as soon as the brush touches the canvas, his art is born. down here with you. Is that all right? I'm so excited about this. This is where I'm going to preach the lower story for the next eight months. Upper story, I'll be up there and then I'm going to talk to you about the lower story. Do you believe it? Do you know him? I don't do scare tactics. I don't manipulate But it is good to come to terms with the fact that we're going to die.
And if I went home today and I hit the proverbial bus, here's what I know that I know that I know. You come on out to the funeral. I hope you come. I hope you'll be here. We might even invite you back to my house to eat some potato salad. I hope you come. But grieve not because I will not be in that casket. I will be on my way to a place called heaven. Where I will be with God forever. Do you, do you know that you know that you know? Do you believe that? One more passage of scripture. Open up to John chapter 20. I'm going to be reading verses 11 through 16. This is what some of you came for, you believers. You, you're like, read me the resurrection text. I, I intentionally saved it to the end today. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? Listen, they have taken my Lord, she said, and I, I don't know where they've put him. Thinking he was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Now notice this next part. Jesus said to her, Mary. Jesus said what? Mary. He called her by name. This is Mary Magdalene. This was a woman who had a resume that you, you don't really want to reveal. You, you want to conceal this one. Mary Magdalene was not a, a Sunday school girl. And yet, Jesus welcomed her, received her, called her by name. And she cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. I think he's calling your name this morning. I think he's calling your name. If you're a believer, you came here born again, you know Christ, you're just here to celebrate the resurrection. He's calling your name saying, hey, I have higher heights for you to go. I have greater things for you. I know your sin is, is bad and I know t life is tough, but I'm bigger than all of that. I am greater than your greatest sin. I have grace for you. I have peace for you. I have purpose for you. I have abundance for you. I have prosperity for you. I have blessings for you. I have everything you will ever need if you find your identity in me. And if you're not a believer and you're one of those skeptics and you, you just you never really have received Christ, you've never really believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that He is Lord so that you can be saved, Romans 10, 9, I believe He's calling your name today. And He's saying, I love you this much. I died on a cross for you. I rose from the dead. I put you in that church on Easter Sunday morning. Don't you dare think for a moment you're here by coincidence. I put you in that church 
on March 27, 2016, so that you can receive me as your Lord and Savior. She called him Lord, and he called her name. Think about this. Hundreds of them called him Lord when he came in from the Mount of Olives and they waved palm branches. A dozen or so called him Lord when he washed their feet, but only one, only one called him Lord early Easter Sunday morning. Her name was Mary. Father, I pray for my friends. I thank you for every person who is here. And with all heads bowed and eyes closed, Father, I want to give a chance for the person who is here that does not know you or maybe they've even wandered away from you. And the greatest thing they could do on Easter Sunday morning is humble themselves and receive you as Lord. And maybe God just maybe with ears of faith they would hear you speak their name. Not audibly, but in their heart of hearts. If you're here today and you desire to have a relationship with Christ. You desire to be born again, maybe for the first time. Or maybe you're here and you've just wandered away. You've been... You've been out wandering in the far country from God, but you've come home today. And as I talk about the story and you, you get excited about the journey that's ahead and you're praying this time it could be different. Beloved, please know this is based upon nothing that you do. This is all based upon what he has done for you. But if you desire to know him, if you desire to receive him as Lord... Again, Romans 10, 9 says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. If you desire that kind of life-saving relationship with Jesus Christ, the only one who is able to grant that. On the count of three, I want you to just raise your hand where you are. One, God sent his only son for you. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Two, Jesus Christ went to the cross for you. He died a sinner's debt. He paid a debt that you could not pay. And three, God the Father raised him to new life. That if you believe in your heart and receive him and confess with your mouth, you too shall be saved. Just lift your hands right where you are right now. Just raise them up. I want to pray for you. Just raise them up. I don't even have to stand up. I can see them popping up all over. Raise them up high. I see all of you over there, dozens of you. God bless you. Balcony, you're always, yeah, I see hands. You're always invited into everything we do here. I see you right here. I see you over there, sir. Keep them up high on this side. Wow. Wow. You hope, if, you, if you're a believer, just, just pray right now. Pray. Kingdoms are clashing. Hands are raised all over this place. Father, I pray for every single person here who has their hands raised. Their hands raised does not save them, God, but it is a way to reach out to you. Hold them up high. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. And now I trust by faith that I am saved. Not only today, but forever. Help me live into that which you claim that I am. I am a Christian. A born again child of God. And the rest of the people of God said with our new brothers and sisters. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Salvation just happened all over this place. And this is just one of ten campuses. Campus pastors are leading it there. Praise God. There's only one thing left. We need to sing. Come on, y'all. Can we sing that song y'all just put to that video? Woo! Stand to your feet. Come on. Come on. Sing it out loud. Really loud. Raise the roof in this place today, church.
Thanks for being a part of this week's podcast. If you have any prayer requests or praises, we'd love to hear from you. Just email our pastors and staff at prayers at newhopenc.org, and we would love to pray for you. If you'd like to support the ministries of New Hope, just stop by one of our campuses or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. We hope you'll join us next week for the podcast, and thanks for being a part of our church family.